Today we go way back into American history to a time when the office of the presidency is respected. That's <laughs> right, kids. We're going back to a time before Twitter policy. Movie Tales. I'll have what she's having. Hosted by Mark, Jeff, and Nick. Round up the usual suspects. Three lifelong friends who all dropped out of film school because they all figured out they loved watching movies more than making them. Are you not entertained? Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. These cinephiles review and reveal widely unknown factoids, lore, myths, trivia, and cultural impact of the movie. Mostly funny. I'm your huckleberry. Sometimes serious. I'm gonna make them an offer again with you. Definitely interesting insight into the best movies we only thought we knew. He's looking at you, kid. We're going way back to the 90s. Mark, what are we watching this week? We are watching The American President from 1995. The classic Rob Reiner film written by Aaron Sorkin, and it was a great treat going down memory lane with this. For those that don't remember what this movie is about, Michael Douglas plays our president, Andrew Shepard, and he's approaching the end of his first term as president of the United States. He's a widower with a young daughter and has proved to be popular with the public. His election seems assured. That is until he meets one Sidney Ellen Wade, played by the wonderful Annette Bening. A paid political activist working for an environmental lobby group. He's immediately smitten with her, and after several amusing attempts, they finally manage to go on a date, which happens to be a state dinner for the visiting president of France. His relationship with Wade opens the door for his prime political opponent, Senator Bob Rumson, to launch an attack on the president's character, something he could not do in the previous election as Shepard's wife had only recently died. So yeah, American President, Jeff, moment in time, when did you see it? I'm not sure when I saw this the first time. This week may have been the first time I sat down and watched the film from start to finish. This is one of those movies that used to be on TNT all of the time, and I have tuned in at different parts many times, but I'm not sure I watched it all the way through until this week. I may have to, I just may not remember. But I will tell you, uh, when this, if this movie is on and it is anywhere near the end... I always stick around for the final speech. I'll do it any day of the week. What about you, Mark? What's your moment in time? So I I used to go to the matinees on the weekend with my parents all the time. I want to say it was around $3 when I was a kid consistently growing up. Anywhere, maybe 3 to $4, you could go to the movies. So for under 20 bucks, we could go to the movies as a family. And I remember we saw this movie in the theaters, and I was 13 when this came out. I think I was 12, and I was going to be 13. And this movie was boring as all hell. <laughs> I, I, I just remember thinking this movie was so boring. And, and, and it was a good rewatch because as an adult, you obviously appreciate it a lot more. And you've experienced a little bit of politics in your life at this point once you're an adult. And I think that plays into a big part. And you've probably also experienced love. And this is, at the end of the day, a great love story. So 
that also is a big part of it. So it was a wonderful rewatch, but I do remember vividly not liking it when I saw it in the theater as a kid, and my and my parents loved it. What about you, Nico? When did you see this? So the first time I saw this was two days ago, fellas. Holy shit! You never saw this when it I came never out. saw this, and not even a single scene. I didn't know about the speech at the end. I didn't know about anything. I knew Michael Douglas was in it. And that's all I knew. Wow. And what's what's weird is as a kid I saw Dave with Kevin Klein. Probably yeah. three to four times, and I loved it. And maybe just as a young kid with a small brain, you only have a certain bandwidth to see presidential movies, and I could only do one. And my, my parents chose Dave, you know? But this was a great first watch. It has a lot of nobility, a lot of ideals towards presidency that was just really good to watch, during this week especially. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Jump right in, Nico, since this is the first time... <laughs> Uh, or no, Jeff, Jeff, I know you had a, you wanted to talk about some S's. Jeff, tell us what worked. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we talked a little bit about this before the pod. And for this movie, the, what really worked for me was the three S's. Screenplay, set design, and the score. The whole movie flows well. Great dialogue, as we know, for Aaron Sorkin. But I'm going to talk about kind of the uh, history of how this screenplay was written. So Aaron Sorkin wrote this screenplay while he was high on crack cocaine. He checked really? himself. Uh, he is very and he is very honest about and open about this. He ch- wow. He he dropping to- a bomb early on the pod. Yeah. I never knew this. He's, he he's a recovering addict. Uh, he he is well recovering's a, uh, a you. I'm not sure if he's recovering, but he's tried to recover a couple times. Uh, but checking wow. himself into the wow. he, he had some work he had to get done. He checked himself into the Four Season Hotel and he went on a three day crack cocaine bender. He wrote the screenplay for this movie and the entire first season for Sports Night. Uh, his original draft was 185 pages, and he edited it down to edit it down to 120 pages. Some more cool folklore to this screenplay is, like I said, editing it down from 185 to 120. So there was a lot that he left out at a pitch meeting with uh, producer John Wells, and he was supposed to come to the meeting with a prepared pitch. He didn't do his homework. I'm not sure if it was because he was on crack cocaine the night before or he just (laughs) procrastinated and didn't do his homework. Long story short, he showed up, had nothing in front of him. In a panic, he pitched the West Wing using the unused portions of the American president's script. And John Wells loved it. So that three-day crack cocaine bender netted him not only this movie, but... What was he? He what did he run the American uh, West Wing for? Three, I think five, about six five seasons. seasons. Yeah, six. Yeah. Well, he lost creative control because of substance abuse after about three or four seasons. Wow. Uh, but his he, the, his prime of his career wasn't until the 2010s anyway, though. So he he had a resurgence regardless. Well, he was well, he was always this up and coming playwright. So he came out of the gate firing bullets right out of the gate with you know a few good men. Well, and then, interestingly enough, he owes a lot of his career to Rob Reiner. Yeah, for sure. He signed a contract with Castle Rock, and while while working on Castle Rock, trying to come up with the next big idea, uh, you're paid for so many just to produce, be coming up with ideas when you have a contract with a studio. And he befriended Rob Reiner, who became like him and William Goldman became his best friends in the company. Mm. And Rob Reiner greenlit his first project, A Few Good Men, and directed it. Wow. So, like, we might not have Aaron Sorkin if it's not for Rob Reiner. Yeah, it's Castle Rock. He founded Castle Rock. That's his production company, and he 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 
founded, uh, I believe, When Harry Met Sally was his first movie under that production company. And Castle Rock is the fictional town that Stand By Me takes place in, and it's used in a bunch of Stephen King books. And Reiner did the Stand By Me as well. So I, I, you, that's great. I did not even know that crazy connection with, uh, or not the connection, just the crazy crack cocaine. Crack, and crack, not, not crack cocaine. Story. Not cool. cocaine. Crack cocaine. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> so as a kid, every time I saw the Castle Rock light, we have a Castle Rock in Colorado. It's about 30 minutes away. It's we like do. a tiny little quaint town. So. Yeah, so that has nothing to do with Colorado. Yeah, I know. But I always thought it did as a kid. I would have too, for sure. Especially yeah. if there was a Castle Rock and I was from Colorado. Yeah, yeah I totally anyway, would too. Anyway, kind of moving along. Uh, Nick, I know you were going to talk a little bit about set design, which I also I thought worked great in this movie. Basically, the production designer, Lillian Kilvert, and Rob Reiner visited Bill Clinton in the White House five times to devise the proper interiors. Think about how exciting that would be, boys. Her Oval Office set would go on to be used... In the Warner Brothers lot for Dave the West Wing, and from I'm reading from your notes here, also for uh, Frost Nixon and Independence Day. So basically, every presidential movie they ever made, they <laughs> brought back the to Lillian Kilbert's <laughs> set design from five visits to the White House. I'm, I'm not sure how much access Hollywood had to the White House back then. This sounds like a first, but it led the way. So good. I no, it's great. They do a great job with it in the movie with, with right from the opening credits with all the presidential memorabilia running through the background and which leads us into our musical score by Mark Scheiman who it, did a great job with the musical score and I think can, that's the Can only you hum reason. it, Nick? <laughs> uh, so, no. Nick always hums no. scores. Ah, it was it was a little too cheesy. I I, I didn't get on board with that. <laughs> oh, I, I actually I I wanted to salute. I wanted to do the pledge of allegiance every time I heard this damn score. Keep wow, going, that's Mark. that's so funny. No, so Mark Scheiman, he he's Rob Reiner's go-to for musical scores typically, and this he was the only one nominated for an award for this movie. Uh, uh, believe it or not, I, it's unreal thinking about it now, especially with how great some of the acting performances are in the the script, but and the set design. But apparently, only people thought Mark Scheiman did a great job, except for Nick. So <laughs> the <laughs> uh, the. They use that in all sorts of stuff, and my Disney fans out there that uh, have waited an hour and a half to ride soaring over California, that's the song that they play in the the lobby, the music that's playing in the background. But yeah, this was the only only Oscar nominee, and it it didn't win, but I I love the music. Mark Shannon, nominated seven times. What else worked for you guys? Anything else besides the three S's? Uh, I thought they just did a really good job showing the day-to-day life of a president, and I thought it was really interesting and fascinating, kind of a fascinating look. This whole film kind of acts like a pilot for the West Wing in a lot of ways. I'm sure that part of what just got that greenlit was this movie. Yeah, I could see that. At the end of the day, this is a really great love story, this movie, but... It's with it's the president's love story. So I really bought the all all the stuff of him just abruptly ending their you know their their dates and he doesn't you know awkwardly apologize because he's got to go you know bomb Libya or whatever. And it's I thought it I thought it worked. I, I thought it, I didn't find it. Speaking of the love story, did you see this was originally conceived by Robert Redford? Yes, and then him and Rob Reiner got into a fight. Yep, and that's and they, why they had a falling out. So he, that's why so he, didn't, had to he be did recast. not end up playing the president. 
Yeah. And yeah, it's a very different movie with Robert Redford as the president. I don't I know would... if I believe Robert Redford doesn't know how to order flowers. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get into that when, I, when my vote works, because I think Michael Douglas is perfect. And then I think I think Annette Benning is perfect. You just said perfect, so Annette Benning really hits a home run for me. <laughs> Rob Reiner hits a home run. Aaron Sorkin hits a home run. Martin Sheen and Michael J. Fox, they work great. And I, at the end of the day, I also thought they did a really good job showing the differences between Republicans and, and Democrats and where they stand in their traditional uh, debates, so to speak. So mm-hmm. I thought they did a good job with, with pretty much everything, with the attention to detail. But what about you, Nick? What yeah, else worked? One more thing to add on the Redford story. Uh, he like His original pitch was the president elopes. And then um, uh, Sork, which is a very different concept, I think, than Sorkin's... Uh, what Sorkin took with it, but he basically he basically put it out to screenwriters that he wanted he was going to greenlight this movie. The the president elopes, and Sorkin won it, and then wanted Reiner because they both did Castle Rock, and then Reiner gets involved, and Redford was out. So uh, that that's a great note, but you just made me think about the before Sorkin got onto this this project. Did you see this, Jeff? Um, go ahead. Where the early versions of the script depicted Andrew Shepard as a military veteran and a oh, former, yeah. they, and a they, former they, special ops agent. At one point, they considered Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> it, Rob Reiner discussed the lead role with Bruce Willis and Steven Seagal before Sorkin's rewrites transitioned Shepard to a more academic character, so mm. to speak. What else worked? Michael Douglas worked. I, I watched this He's thing. Good. He's good. I'm glad you liked him. And I really realized out loud, I was like, fuck, I miss Michael Douglas. I really do. And this was him in his prime. It was great. I think that he probably moved up the Pantheon for me. I might argue with you guys later that he does, He might deserve a substitute spot on oh my the goodness. Mount Rushmore. Back. Just, He's that good. I mean, oh I was looking at Just rewind, 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 rewind. Oh. oh, my goodness. He's that good. I just loved him so much about this I movie. But we'll get into that. We'll get into the medals. We'll get into that later on. But that's what worked. Awesome. All right. Favorite scenes. I love the scene where he's shooting pool with Martin Sheen uh, in the beginning of the movie, the first time. And they're talking about girls, right? It's as political as it gets. It it wasn't really locker room talk, but it was kind of presidential locker room talk. And I think Martin Sheen went toe-to-toe with him in that scene. I think he kind of outdid him. You know, there's all these lines like... I will not. He asked him to call him by his name, Andrew Shepard, and this is best friend too, by the way. It's just the weirdest dynamic you can think of, right? And he says back to him, "I will not do it playing pool. I will not do it in a school." <laughs> he goes, "Doctor Seuss on him." <laughs> yeah, I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam. I am. It was just the. And then he says later on when he asks when Marion Shepard doesn't ask about him, he's like, "I can pass her a note in study hall." It was just this brilliant banter. It's very Sorkinesh. Sorkin-esque, and I loved it. I just thought, this is like a buddy presidential movie. It doesn't get any better than this. This is how the, this is how the president hangs out with his boys, right? For us three, it's shooting a po- it's filming a podcast, right? I love the whole, I love how he keeps, I love how uh, Martin Sheen refuses to call him Andy. Right. And every yeah, time, and every, every time he answers movie. Mr. President, I thought, I thought that that's a great Or a sir. Time. He calls him Mr. President or sir, absolutely. But I guess... One question for you, Nick, since this is your favorite scene, and Mark, I know you love this scene as well, the billiard scene. Mm -hmm. Has there ever been a time in Hollywood history that playing pool doesn't work? I was thinking about this (laughs) while thinking about this movie. I love all scenes where the characters play pool and talk. It's such a great device. 
And it's probably something that's dying off too, right? Especially with technology. I think as time goes on, less and less people are like, hey, let's go play pool, you know, or darts. Everybody just plays video games. Yeah. Uh, People play cornhole now, boys. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) I... But cornhole wouldn't work in movies. That's a bummer because you're too far away from each other for that. Like converse, it just no, works no, so, no. It works, it works because so you well play side film. to side. You play side to side. It would work. It would work. Mark, we're gonna get into your. We're gonna go on to your favorite scene. No, so I. It's it almost it immediately follows that scene because Martin Sheen at the end, you know, says you know you should give her a call, and so he does. And I love that phone call scene because we see so Annette great. Benning. We see Annette Benning with her sister, and she's just reenacting. And this, you know, friend of hers is giving her a hard time, and just how this, the, the everything that happened to her happens to her again on the phone. And, and when she literally tells Michael Douglas that he has a nice ass, it makes you laugh out loud when you <laughs> see that moment. And it's a great moment, and, and that phone call scene is just perfect, and it makes the love story work. It's just one of the elements that really works for this. And the only other note that I wanted to talk about, because I know, Jeff, you're going to talk about uh, the end here, and it's, but the scene where Michael J. Fox calls out Michael Douglas, because he's so, he's getting beat up the whole movie and w- with his approval rating, because Richard Dreyfus, who, who's, who's good, too, and by the way, best friends in high school, Rob Reiner, that's why Richard Dreyfus is in this movie. Oh. Yeah, they're best buddies for a long time. So... He he refuses to get in the character debate, and it's driving Michael J. Fox insane the whole movie. And so finally, it, it, it all boils over in that classic scene, and Michael J. Fox goes toe-to-toe with the president, and Michael Douglas kind of loves him for it and doesn't back down and goes toe-to-toe with him. And he has that great line where he says, people don't drink the sand because they're thirsty. They drink the sand because they don't know the difference. And it was just a really good moment. I love it. Jeff... I know you want to jump into the end. Let's go, baby. For sure. Well, real quick, I just I have to I have one we just have to call out that didn't get mentioned is I do love the night. I do love the next morning scene after she sleeps over. Oh yeah, you and everybody here. just everybody just comes into the because he's the president into his yeah. room, and I just think that season that scene's hilarious. But mm. my favorite scene of this movie is the speech. I said in my moment of time, anytime this movie's on TV, if that speech is nearby, I'll watch it. Or sometimes if I'm just depressed about the way things are going in American politics, I will actually YouTube this speech and watch it. Yeah, the, um, the speech that starts out, America isn't easy. America is advanced citizenship. You got to want it bad. What else, Jeff? What are some other great moments in that speech? I just, I love, I love, he is interested in two things and two things only. Making you afraid of it and telling you who's to blame for it. I'm still not sure he hasn't, like, time traveled to 2020. Like, I know, to, to because then he speech. follows that up. He follows <laughs> that up with, and that's how elections are won, right? That's yes. what he says after and that. also follows it with, we've got serious problems, and we need serious people. Yeah, <laughs> I feel was... like Michael Douglas was coming to save us all in 2020, mm. watching this movie now. Uh, that, I, that nails the speech. He somehow manages to accomplish his, there's two running storylines in this film. One is his relationship. And two is his job as president. And he literally solves both problems in the same speech and somehow manages to meld them together. Great writing by Aaron Sorkin. Great delivery by Michael Douglas. Great directing by Rob Reiner. That speech Yeah, just no, it's just a home it. run of a scene. It's a home run of a scene. It's great. So getting right into it, we, we, we talked a little bit about quotes from the speech. Um, We're good! 
What what's a favorite quote of yours, Nick? So I'm gonna go back to the pool hall scene. It, just how it. it ends. There's the that was the best scene in the movie. I'm just gonna say it again. He was talking about why he couldn't date anymore, and Martin Sheen says to him why he can't date the way the other presidents in the past had was he said he didn't have to be president on television you said it yourself a million times if there had been a tv in every living room 60 years ago this country never elects a man in a wheelchair we will take a hit meaning him as on his lead on his approval ratings i have i know it is good i have how do you have patience for people who claim they love america but clearly can't stand americans you got mark so going back to the, the 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 phone call scene where he basically asks her out on the date, right, the, for, to to France, and she's so stunned she doesn't know how to answer, and she you know she's like I'd be honored you had you'd have me represent America, and she's <laughs> all she's all verklempt almost you know speechless, and, and he he just says Sydney, this is just dinner, we're not going to be doing espionage or anything, and I it's just another moment I love it Sorkin Sorkin hitting home runs man he's so yeah. good. Awesome. Any, any. That's all I had. Anything else, guys? No, we, I think we also touched on the, you know, I just, the, the speech stuff that we already touched on. It was good. Good. Perfect. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, going into what didn't work. Bell. 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 Uh, Bell. I have three. You kind of can't just show up at the White House. Mm. There are multiple scenes where they're like, uh, "Sydney's in the next room." Yeah. <laughs> how the, How the hell did she get there? Yeah, and my third kind of nitpick... But that was pre-9-11, so... Yeah. Maybe. My third kind of nitpick is he has the most well-adjusted teenage daughter ever. Mark, you're the only one of us here that's raised a teenager so far. <laughs> Especially the most fictional teenage girl of all time. First of all, she loves the guy that's screwing her dad right away. Immediately. Uh, yeah. Second... No, I, I, I think Oh, go ahead. Second, like, her only... The only time that she is slightly naughty is she just doesn't like studying the Constitution. <laughs> like, and third, she's just, she's never moody, never upset, always just ha- like, she's the most well-adjusted teenage girl I've, I've seen in movies. Maybe I'm she's, wrong. She's really bad I, at playing her tuba scale, or her trombone <laughs> scales, but she's really good at playing All Hail the Chief on the trombone, which was interesting. I no, thought Lucy, the same thing Lucy, there. Lucy, Lucy doesn't work for me too well either, but she's a necessary part because of the whole widower thing, so I sure. had to let it go. But I didn't love Lucy either. My only nitpick was, where's the vice president? We never see or meet the vice president <laughs> at all. But that's actually, that's... That's actually kind of common. I know, but at the they, same time, they purposely keep them separated. But there's, there's at least got to be some mention somewhere. That's true. There's, That's fair. There's, there's, there is no mention of the vice president <laughs> this whatsoever. Is, ever. This is true. So, but that's all. It's just a nitpick. Who cares? No big deal. Uh, Nico, what didn't work for you? Real quick, I think oh. Jeff's second point is invalid. I think the convention would have pointed us towards the daughter who didn't approve and had to be rebellious and i kind of liked that they kept us away from that we didn't have time to deal with her really right she was more of a protagonist than an antagonist i'm just saying she was a stereotypical president's daughter yeah girls can be a little bit moody that's all i'm saying yeah they can but but she was definitely you know this this wasn't first daughter jeff this was the american president she's adorable she's adorable i found her adorable and i i i hope that we all have daughters that are that yeah that are that compliant 
So it's flying. It's a good way of putting it. I like it. <laughs> my complaint with this movie is that they didn't do a good job. Speaking of antagonists, of building up the villain. Mm, so you did not like Bob Rumsford. I didn't. Not only that, he was hardly in the movie. I, we get introduced to him at the dinner, and as soon as I saw him, I'm like, okay, well, he's the villain, right? And then they didn't really do anything. Was kind of, he was kind of a filler, like, okay, we need somebody to overcome. And he, he just didn't have a big role. He was kind I, of a weak character. It's weird. The movie's almost a little, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I never feel this way. It almost felt a little short because I kind of thought his character was a little underdeveloped too, Nick. It was. And Richard Dreyfus. It feels yeah. like yeah, a really couple cool. more scenes with him would have been fine and it wouldn't mm-hmm. have made I don't he was one I don't feel like it would have made the movie work like a lot of times I don't like less is more this is a situation where I feel like they probably could have rather than 185 to 120 maybe they go to 140 I don't know on the yeah, page he was, count he, he was one dimensional and the fact that he could be defeated by one speech I'm like come on man like I was hoping for something I was hoping for the election well the do we know that well, this I, is Hollywood. I, I don't know that we know that. You know I don't. Happening. I don't know that we know Andrew Shepard got a second term. Uh, it's assumed. Yeah, yeah, it's assumed. I'm with. Yeah. You. All he had to do was give a speech, and oh, there goes that guy. He's back to his shell. Well, and he, it kind of make it kind of makes sense too, because it was like mid '90s, mm-hmm. and if the mid '90s in this fictional universe is the same as here, the economy is absolutely on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you remember, even in the midst of the Monica Lewinsky scandal, like. Bill Clinton had like a 61, 65% approval rating. Mm-hmm. And he dude had three scandals before the election with Bob Dole and he beat Bob Dole by like in a landslide. So Democratic president, mid 90s, everything's going his way. Nails that speech, he he probably runs away with it. So and he has a daughter that has no problems. Just it it's going to it's going to send him soaring. Yeah, but wait, wait. I just feel sorry to cut you off. You're fine. I just feel that the end was rushed. There was no climax. There's no political showdown. The villain was one dimensional. Okay, and it I was just a rushed missed, ending. I think you missed the whole point. Go ahead. This is a presidential love story. Sure. Okay. So Richard Dreyfus, and, and he has such a small moment. It's, it's. I don't think it needs to be big. This is a love story first and foremost, isn't it? That's what it is yeah. for me. Moving on, career. Career corner. Let's let's talk about Aaron Sorkin a little bit. We 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 got a lot into him earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to note, looking at his filmography, I don't know that this guy's made a bad movie. A there, bad movie? There's not a bad movie. I've written a bad movie. There's not a bad movie in this list. No, no, he, 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 he's, he's done. A game. I mean, what's his worst movie? I didn't even know he wrote The Rock. He goes, Few Good Men, Malice, The American President, The Rock, Bullworth, Enemy of the State, Charlie Wilson's War, Social Network, Moneyball, Steve Jobs, Molly's Game, and now The Trial of the Chicago 7. I will watch any one of those movies anytime. Maybe I'm just a big Sorkin fan. Uh, anyway, point being, great work with Aaron Sorkin. We kind of talked to him about him at the beginning. I know you want to talk a little bit about Rob Reiner, Mark. Go ahead. So here's my question that dawned on me when we were when I was rewatching the American President because I do think this is a really really great love story, and then I said to myself, "Well, wait a second. My favorite love story of all time is when Harry met Sally, and Rob Reiner also did that." And then I said, "Wait, hold <laughs> hold the phone here, Nico. He also did the Princess Bride, which is argue, arguably the greatest <laughs> fantasy love story ever written. So we have three completely different love stories that are all 
fantastic love stories. So I question, is Rob Reiner the greatest filmmaker when it comes to love stories? <laughs> no. No? You're not on board with this at all? You make a great argument. Those are three, those are three just incredible love stories. I think it's a triple feature of, of love story heaven, to be honest. I don't think any of those movies are cheesy at all. And, and I think they're all fantastic. Uh, Rob Reiner's the son of Carl Reiner. He got to start as uh, an actor on All in the Family. I'm wearing my All in the Family t-shirt right now, which has... He played the character Meathead, for those that he, aren't aware. He has a sneaky, great acting career. He does. He, he does, for sure. He does. But his director, his, his his filmography... So he did 10 movies from 84 to 96. He, and you could make an argument that 9 out of 10 are good to great films. He has By, a... 12-year run from 84 to... Yeah, 84 to 96, what yeah. I just said. So these are in order. Spinal Tap, Sure Thing, Stand By Me, Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, A Few Good Men, North, which is god-awful, God awful. American President, and Ghosts of Mississippi, which yeah. is eh, was, okay. So, what was going on when he made North? Because it's like no, one, I just one brought of these it because movies of the doesn't belong. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just, I'm with you. What was going on when he had, uh, when he was making North? And that... It's so funny. It's like one of these does not belong. Yeah. Because I mean, the rest was, of them are just great movies. <laughs> it was voted the worst movie of the year that year. But every other one of these movies is solid and is worthy of a rewatch. They, and, and like I said, Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, and The American President are three phenomenal love stories. And I don't, I can't think of anyone else that has. I can. <laughs> Multiple love stories other than Charlie Chaplin, and he was a silent filmmaker. What about Gary and Penny Marshall? Who Throw them in. What, are the, what movies couple. are we talking here? Give I'm me gonna, movies. I'm going to have to pull them up. I mean, when, I need movies, Nico, in Seattle, not right. names. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. So, I mean, when Siskel and Ebert when Siskel and Ebert reviewed The American President, mm-hmm. um, part of their review is they said, thank God Rod Reiner is back. Because they both labeled North one of the worst movies of the year in 1994. <laughs> it was so bad. Oh, so and bad. They, yeah. And they literally, I, I guess they made a big deal of it on their television show, like celebrating the return of Rob Reiner. Yeah. <laughs> because up until North, he hadn't made a bad movie. No, he hadn't. You're right. And um, he, for the last, he didn't do a movie. He hasn't done a movie since 2017. But he really hasn't done a good movie, arguably, since this. Ghost of Mississippi is watchable, but it's not. Yeah, I was surprised you put that in his I just run. put it on just because it, it gave it's me 10 movies. Movie. I thought 10 was right. nice. Right. So. so Penny Marshall, Big, Awakenings, A League of Their Own, Renaissance yeah. Man. Okay, those aren't love stories. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So you failed with that one. What was your other one? <laughs> Rob Reiner. I was trying yeah, to give it, a it just Rob Reiner is the man when it comes to love stories. You're not going to prove me wrong on this right. because most love stories aren't good. <laughs> They're cheesy. Yeah. So to have three really good ones, it's incredible mm. to me. It blew me away when I put the like the aha. When moments, Harry like, Met oh, Sally wow. and Princess Bride are probably in the top five for like, the, of wow. all time love stories for me. Not to mention Rob Reiner did Stand by Me, which is on my favorite fifty movies of all time. And I think right. A Few Good Men is on yours, Jeff. It is. So, and I'd stand by me would be on my other 50. So, yeah, it like I, Rob, Rob Ryan, and when Harry Met Sally, I think is on all of our top 50 films. I'm not positive of that, but I know it's on Nick's mm-hmm. and mine. Yeah, oh, but, but it yeah it's on mine as well. When Harry Met yeah. Sally is fantastic. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rob Reiner, what a career. Good little Medals? Career. Let's go medals. Good little career corner. <laughs> well, I, I know Nick wanted to talk a little Michael Douglas. Oh, yeah, yeah. He Sorry, I got hyped great, up on Rob Reiner. I Nick forgot about Mikey. makes a great argument here. Um, Michael Douglas goes on this great late 80s, um, early 90s run. Go ahead, Nick. I just think from pretty much 87 when he did Wall Street to 97 when he did the game, and that was... You talk. You always talk about Tom Cruise's decade run, Jeff. Yep. I think this needs to be looked at. It really does, and you never talk about it. It, it kind of hurts my feelings. Then so, let's, let's I love it. that. Give it us, the, give us the, give us the ration now. We, I, well, because I mean, he's a great. Honestly, eighty-five. Watch, he does romancing the. He actually does romancing the stone in eighty-four. I'm going to give you romancing yeah. the stone and stone and jewel of the Nile are great movies. Uh, I mean, I think I think didn't didn't he get nominated for an Oscar? Win an Oscar for Wall Street? I think we can start there. You know? I'm starting '84 with *Romancing the Stone*. I'm with you. Don't Romancing deny the that movie. Good movie. The point being, he deserves a pantheon. If I had to take his decade run over Tom Cruise's, I think it's close. I really do think it's close. Onto something here. This is a okay. sneaky good run. Okay, *Fatal Attraction* and *Wall Street*. Same year. *Black Rain*, *War of the Roses*, *Basic Instinct*, *Falling Down*, *Disclosure*, *The American President*, and *The Game*. That's a that's a one decade. I. If we're going full decade, if we're going a ten year span, yeah, that's incredible. Agreed. I mean, that's that's what we still remember him for, and the fact that the American president was during this just adds to his resume. I already knew he had a good resume during that time, and this just kind of completes it for me. And I, I, he just moved up in my book completely. It's a, and this was him. He was so shining in this. It's a cool role for him too, because he usually play. I always think of uh, Michael Douglas as kind of more the disclosure or the Gordon Gecko. Mm-hmm. Kind of the embodiment of like greed or evil and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. totally flips that. He shows that he can play completely against type in this movie. He's goofy. He's likable. He's an idealist. Mm-hmm. And all these things that you don't think when you think Michael Douglas. And this movie definitely flipped some of my opinion of him only being able to play one type of character. So yeah, I can see that. It shows totally. this movie shows some range that I didn't know he had. I like it. And this was his prime. This is so good. I mean, we don't get much. I think you guys were really overhyping Michael Douglas. Oh, I, <laughs> I started that train. <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, no, I think you're he doesn't really come close to Tom. Him. He doesn't come close to Tom Cruise. I, I think he's excellent, but I. I think he's right there with him, toe to toe, baby. Okay. I didn't right, want. So. I didn't want to. I didn't want to drag us into a thirty-minute debate. <laughs> Tom no, Cruise versus Michael <laughs> Douglas debate. <laughs> I just. I want to put my two cents in on this. Let's and go. I think Michael Douglas has, you know, maybe six good movies. And I think you've named a bunch of movies that aren't good. Fatal okay. Attraction and Wall Street are awesome. Okay. Falling Down is awesome. And you didn't mention Wonder Boys or Traffic, which are both awesome. And those both came out in 2000. And then The Game and American President. Outside of that, I don't know what else is great. You have a problem with Do Black you- Rain? I don't think it's Black anything Rain's special. an underrated movie. Mark, do you know what a big deal it is to have six good movies in Hollywood, though? I mean, really, it's a big deal. I don't especially think to have, I don't especially think to have them in a 12-year period. I don't think it's Tom Cruise's big deal, which is what you just put it compared to. Yeah, definitely. Eight, what Metal podium. Who, I'm not giving one to Rob Reiner. Well, then that's fine. You don't have to. <laughs> All right, Nick, <laughs> go first. You jumped in. Go ahead. Go for it. <laughs> you know what? I'm giving the bronze to Lillian Kilvert. I think that that was great. How many times do you hear where a set gets reused over and over again? I love That's that. That's historic Nick. shit right there. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I'm going to give her bronze. Silver Martin Sheen. 
Man, he turned this into a presidential buddy movie. I think, like you said, this earned him the role in the West Wing. Maybe this was a secret audition for Aaron Sorkin. I don't know. You don't get too many 5'8 presidents. Martin Sheen was on his way. And obviously, as we already talked about, Michael Douglas wins this movie in every way. It is the prime of his career. It is the middle of his decade-plus run, I guess 12-year run, if you include Traffic and Wonder Boys in 2000. He moved up in my books just rewatching this. How great he is. I'm overhyping him, but I'm in love. Mark, who you got? Honorable mention, Aaron Sorkin. Great job, Aaron, on your crack habit and <laughs> your writing of this movie. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> Bronze medal goes to Mikey Douglas. I originally didn't even give Michael Douglas a medal, and I thought that's blasphemy, so I needed to give Michael Douglas a medal. And he's he is great in this movie. He, he is. He, he, he's a great president, and I'm not discrediting Michael Douglas in any way. He's just not Mount Rushmore material, but he's a hell of an actor, Nico. And <laughs> Silver Medal goes to Annette Benning. Annette Benning has two movies, in my opinion. She has this and American Beauty. So when I think of Annette Benning, I think of this and American Beauty and nothing else. I, I really don't. I can't even... And then I think of her being married to Warren Beatty. But... Uh, I, my gold medal I gave to Rob Reiner because Jesus. for some reason you seem to think this is a presidential buddy movie, but I think it's a love story <laughs> through and through, and it's a hell of a good one at that. So, And Rob Reiner knows how to do love stories better than anyone else, baby. Gold medal, Robbie. Here you go. That's insane. All right, we have three. <laughs> we all three have very different medal stands, which I love when that happens. Yeah, I'm going to shock too, both actually. of you, and I'm giving my bronze to Michael J. Fox. Uh, Michael J. Fox brings it in this movie, and it's one of the reasons I tune in often when I'm watch if I'm watching television. Uh, I don't know why, for some reason, Michael J. Fox works in a suit. He's great in a suit in Family Ties. <laughs> he's great in a suit in this movie, and he's great in a suit in uh, Spin City. Uh, Mikey, little too. little quick little quick trivia on Michael J. Fox in this. He actually, when tr- trying out for this film. He just had to, been just diagnosed with Parkinson's, and he was terrified he would not get the part if Rob Reiner knew. So he kept his Parkinson's a secret and was super nervous when they did their um, on-set physical that they make sure all the actors can like perform all the parts or what have you. And they ended up just giving him like a, a blood pressure test or something super basic. So, But he was so nervous about being caught with his Parkinson's that if his hand would start to shake, because it was still early Parkinson's, so he wasn't as shaky as he obviously is now, uh, he would put his hand yeah. in his pocket to hide it. Uh, yeah, he took his medication for that physical, and they just checked his heart rate and blood pressure. Nothing else. <laughs> he was, but I just, I love that scene when he calls out the president about not even being his advisor, but being somebody that voted for him and believed in him. I think he really creates... Uh, just really shows the dedication of a public servant and how much they really believe in what they're doing every day. And they're kind of the unsung heroes of uh, what makes this country run. And I also love that scene in the limo when he's just, when he, when Douglas says he's going to hop out here and he's like, no hopping, sir. I don't know why I laugh every time I hear that line. Michael J. Fox, great job. You get the bronze medal. One more note on Michael J. Fox. He actually gets spin. The reason Spin City ever happens is somebody saw this film 
and thought he played that role great. And they developed an entire TV series around a character similar to his character in this movie. So not just the West Wing, but Spin City also came from this film. Pretty interesting. My silver medal goes to Annette Bening. I, I think she's what really makes this film work. She has the more difficult part to play between her and the between her role, Sydney's role or the president's role. Uh, Michael Douglas is great in this movie, but I honestly think most solid leading men could take that role. It's so well written that if they're a if they're a good leading man, I think they're fine in the role. I don't think Douglas does anything spectacular with it actually. Uh, Annette Bening just steals the show, though. She has the right blend of likable intelligence and she's even able to pull off the sexy a little bit with that scene when she kind of goes in the t-shirt i know we kind of talked about that scene beforehand the three of us debated if she was sexy enough for a leading lady role and we all kind of agreed that scene did it for us uh so net benning silver medal knocking it out of the park and my gold goes to aaron sorkin this is his baby he ends up developing an entire tv series just on this concept uh the dialogue is incredible. It's also one of the first uses of walking and talking that you now see in almost all his films and is used in almost every procedural from CSI to Law and & Order uh, and pretty much every Aaron Sorkin movie since then, since this, including The West Wing and including Social Network. So gold medal to Aaron Sorkin. I think we had three different golds and we had a lot of different bronze and silvers. Uh, great job, guys. Yeah, you and I had the same silver. I know that, but yeah, we were we were pretty different on the medals. And one note about Michael J. Fox that I didn't, I don't think you made mention of, but he based his portrayal of Louis Rothschild on George Stephanopoulos, which I thought yep. was funny for our political listeners out there. Let's talk a little bit about fictional movie presidents. I asked you guys before the pod if you had any nominees besides Andrew Shepard for best fictional movie president. I, I got one, who, but who did you guys come up with? We'll, we'll start with Nick first. You're getting this guy elected in front of America right now. Why is he the guy, why is he the guy to lead oh, the free okay, world? Okay, so I'm gonna, go with, I'm gonna go with my childhood favorite. I'm gonna go with Kevin Klein and Dave. He was the empathetic president, right? He, the other president was this cold-hearted bastard. And then Kevin Klein comes in and he is, he fixes everything for him. And he's the guy that gets it. He's kind, he's a better husband, he's a better president, and it just shows you the virtues of what makes a man great. So, Kevin Klein. I love it. Mark, who you got? I have President James Marshall, played by choice. Harrison Ford in Air Force One. I love that. I love <laughs> Communist choice. radicals. Communist radicals hijack Air Force One with the U.S. president and his family on board. The vice president negotiates from D.C. while the president, a veteran, fights to rescue the hostages on board, including his wife and daughter. Harrison Ford saves everyone, of course, uh, while also taking out a whole team of terrorists, culminating in Ford punching Gary Oldman with the classic line, get off my plane. (laughs) True American hero had Harrison Ford. President James Marshall, he's my pick. I love it. Nick, I hate Nick, that pick. <laughs> I'm gonna make Nick. I'm gonna make us. I'm gonna make you do. I'm gonna make you do a podcast on Air Force One someday. Oh Very underrated God. movie. We will. We will do one. I'm gonna make it happen. <laughs> I'll be on vacation right. that week. All right. I'll be on vacation. <laughs> You're always on vacation. Oh, no, I'm, going to, I'm going to Hawaii. I gotta miss a week in two weeks. You guys do Air Force One back to back presidential movies. All right. I got. Uh, I had to narrow mine down. I almost chose Morgan Freeman and Deep Impact. I just I kind of haven't seen that movie enough, but 
I'm going with Thomas J. Whitmore of Independence Day. Unite oh, okay. the unite the country. This motherfucker unites the entire world against the aliens. And does he just sit back and give orders? No, Whitmer is so badass, he jumps into an F-16 and fights the slimy bastards himself. Thomas J. Whitmore for president. Uh, you, any of these guys, Tom, do we, do we like any of these guys, or are we, we going Andrew Shepard? What do you guys think? I, I take Andrew Shepard over all three. Mark? Kevin Klein is definitely on the bench. But uh, Andrew Shepard's a great president at the end of the day. So <laughs> yeah, really. kudos to Michael Douglas. I just I, guilt, Air Force One's just a guilty pleasure, and I knew it would it would give a, a Nico a, a he'd uh, give me a yeah, big. I, a, I knew Nico would give me a big virtual middle finger for using Harrison Ford as my James Marshall pick. Yeah. Ah. You popcorn movie loving motherfucker. That's both action movies. Andrew Shepard doesn't shows. even know. Andrew Shepard doesn't even know how to order flowers. I'm going John. Yeah. I'm going John Marshall or Thomas J. Whitmore. I love it. I love it. Jeff, you got any midnight ponderings this week? I got a few, uh, as always. Why does a lobbyist who makes more than the president live with her sister? <laughs> that was temporary. That was temporary. I know, but wouldn't the, wouldn't the lobbyist firm put her up in like a hotel or something? Really, These really days. Make her, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, are we sure in the final speech that Shepard's talking about Rob Bob Rumson and not Donald Trump? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Aaron Sorkin should write all presidential speeches. Wait, That's a good point. wait. We knew about global warming way back in 1995. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's we, a great one. That's a great one. Maybe we do deserve to go extinct. <laughs> they, wait, did Shepard just say he's going to go door to door and take all the handguns? This guy's definitely not winning Texas. <laughs> Mark, I know you have a few ponderings yourself. Uh, what is a proportional response? In case you guys remember that moment in the movie where he questions what is a proportional response, because I don't think anyone ever knows, and I don't believe it gets answered. Any interesting note on that? They wrote an entire episode of The West Wing around um, proportional response. It's literally the they they take that scene in this movie and. It's Syria in the West Wing, but they, the entire episode's based on it and based on the idea of proportional response. The other pondering that I was really thinking about is why did Batman Forever get three Oscar nominations in 1996 <laughs> and this fantastic movie only got one? Ooh. What were the categories? I don't know off the top of my head. I didn't, I didn't, that's why it's a midnight pondering. I fell asleep on the research on that one. <laughs> so this was a midnight pondering. This kept you up late at night. <laughs> oh, any uh, random 101, anything we missed that uh, you want to touch on, Jeff? The only other note that I forgot that make mention of. So this is uh, this movie's rated PG-13, but towards the tail end, as everything's wrapping up from our characters, Michael J. Fox, Michael Douglas, and Annette Benning all drop the F word one time each. And this is a rare occasion where one of those movies it's one of like, gets... Yeah, not very many get it. I think it's and one it's or two, none three of, movies of all time that has more than one and doesn't get an R rating. Yep. And it's because there were no sexual connotations with how they that used the That is always the, the famous uh, rule. But uh, that's all in my random 101. What about things you may have missed, Nico? Anything? So you guys touched up on a lot of it. The only thing I'll add, I don't have anything to clean up this week, is 11 cast members from this movie ended up acting on The West Wing. Obviously, it's Aaron Sorkin related. It was just making personal phone calls. He's like, I got us a new presidential gig. You want in or not? That's pretty much it. The only thing that I think, in case you were re-watching this movie, you might have missed... 
take a look next time. Michael Douglas and Annette Benning get interrupted trying to share a simple kiss three different times in this movie. And I thought that that was definitely intentional, and I, I, I noticed it. It stood out. But mm. final thoughts, Nico? Yeah, what I loved about this movie was our timing of doing it. Just the nobility of being a president and what it means and being presidential. I think we've all forgotten over the last four years. I don't want to get political. That's how I feel. And rewatching this, it did. It felt like, man, I wish Michael Douglas was our president. You know, it took us back to a time when it wasn't so divisive and we respected somebody in office. And I, I loved that process of this entire week. You know, it got me, it was one of the highlights to my week. It made me nostalgic for 1995. Yeah. When really the did. biggest problems were crime it. bills and uh, early global warming. <laughs> That's a great way to put it, Jeff. I'll let you lead into that. I love it. I, that, Final thoughts, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, very similar to Nick's uh, just uh, keeping politics out of it. Just in general, an age appropriate president uh, mm. some guy out of his 80s and just like the whole idea of being presidential and I'm just thinking of all the things in that movie they think are inappropriate for his character to do right. <laughs> and I'm just like go on a date he couldn't go on a date right? and I'm just <laughs> like man this is such a long <laughs> We, man, I, I felt it was such a naive and innocent time. No, no, no pee tapes. No, uh, dress. Having sex with Stormy Daniels. No dresses. Yeah. No, uh, no, um, stained dresses. No Twitter accounts. And I, it just, like, it just made me super nostalgic, just super nostalgic for just a, a, a time when we looked up to the president and not just shook her head in misery um, yeah anyway go ahead mark final thoughts well you know i'm still not sure why this movie kind of flies under the radar and why it didn't have more critical acclaim at the end of the day it's a truly great love story and a fascinating look into the day-to-day -day life of what being a president is like and as usual reiner and sorkin they hit it out of the park for me and like we touched on the this is a great example of what a president looks like or should look like. And so this should be mandatory viewing for all future presidents. <laughs> and, but with all of that being said, hopefully everybody enjoyed. Thanks again for listening. 